Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, that's our next series called Prison Break, kicking off on June the 5th, a four-week message series on temptation. How many know we need some help with temptation? It's going to be an awesome, awesome series. Make plans to be here. Um, I am excited to share um, the message that God has given to me for you today. Uh, As we talked, our staff talked about graduation uh, Sunday and honoring graduates, Um, the, the topic of honor Uh, really came to mind for me. And it's a subject that I have talked about in the past, um, but it's one that I think needs a little repetition when when we talk about the concept of honor. And so I want to call the message today, The Reward of Honor. We live in a crazy world. Can I get a witness? A crazy world. From natural disasters to breakthrough infections to terrorism, and more, this kind of chaos creates a tension in our society that is undeniable. You turn on the TV and pundits are yelling at one another. You scroll through social media and people are demonizing one another. Uh, Our offices have become contentious. Violence has infected our schools. And even the parking lot of Walmart is dangerous. Y'all smile or something. I'm just waiting. It's a, it's, how many know it's a crazy world, right? We live in a crazy world, and, and this sad reality is something that the Apostle Paul warned his young protege, Timothy, about. And he writes in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, starting in verse number 1, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now, that's one of those texts you read it and you're like, God, what do I do with that? You know, how, how do I respond to this warning that Paul gave to Timothy? Because in this warning, Paul actually gives us 19 adjectives that will mark the human condition as the world gets crazier. And though each of these, of the 19, has a very specific meaning, what Paul is implying is an overarching theme. And what he's telling a young Timothy is, is that there will come a day where the culture is marked by dishonor. Because when you look at the list, what you see is a culture of dishonor, that it will become normal to criticize people. Platforms will be given not to positive voices, but to the most negative voices. People will become comfortable dishonoring parents, 
leaders, and even God. And so what, what I want to do over the next 25 or 30 minutes is help not only restore the honor, but to put into your spirit, into your heart, that there is a reward for honoring the people around us. Because when the world gets crazy, it appears to me from Scripture that the first thing that goes out the door is honor. As followers of Jesus, though, we have a responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Oh, that was weak. Everybody say responsibility. As followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to have a counter culture that goes against the grain. And it's not a culture of dishonor, but we are to develop a culture of honor. One of the challenges that keep us from embodying the characteristics uh, of honor is I think it's a concept that a lot of people misunderstand. I don't think we fully embrace the idea or the definition of honor. When we look at honor, a lot of people, if you were to ask them, are you a person of honor, most people would respond to that as, uh, by saying, I, I'm an honorable person, I believe in honor, I honor people around me. Most of us would claim that we're honorable and that we agree that honor is important, but our world keeps becoming more dishonorable. And so with that being said, uh, I think sometimes what we claim and what we carry are not lining up because we can claim honor and still not live in honor. That we can say it's important to honor, and, and really our hearts are far from honor. And to honor something means to esteem something. It means to uh, recognize the value of something. Um, I've made this statement in, in the past that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God, but honor is the culture of the kingdom of God. And so if you have faith, which is the currency, and you operate in honor, which is the culture, how many know you now are ready for miracles to break out? You're ready for God to do what God wants to do because faith is the currency and, and honor is the culture. So to honor is to esteem something or to recognize its value. For example, if you own something of value, and, and maybe it's a, a financial value, Maybe it's not even financial, it's sentimental value. It's just important to you. you. You hold it in a high place. You don't take that which is valuable and throw it in a pile on the floor. But we take things that we consider um, of value, things that we honor, and we don't, we don't put it on a bottom shelf so the kids can kick it. We don't even put it on a middle shelf. How many, we're going to put it in a place of honor. If it's valuable to us, we're going to put it on the upper shelf. Why? Because we are esteeming it. We have placed value on it. And this is how it works in our lives. When we recognize a person's value, we elevate them. We raise them. We don't keep them on a bottom shelf. We, we put them on an upper shelf. We, we put them in a position of honor because they are valuable to us. For instance, if you're at an event where they are honoring um, veterans, most of us in that situation, if we're honoring veterans, and it is in order that we stand, we clap, and we thank them for their service, right? 
we honor them. We don't want them on the bottom shelf. We want them on the upper shelf. We place honor on them. If we are recognizing first responders, we're going to thank them for risking their lives to keep us safe, right? We're going to elevate them. Thank you for putting your life at risk for my safety. We're going to honor them. If we're talking about an individual who has given their life, uh, a Mother Teresa type, how many know we're going to listen to what they have to say because we have them in an elevated position? And I think a lot of times because we look at examples like that, honor becomes easy. We think we understand it. But I want to look at the relationships and the people that, um, that are not as clear as those. What about your boss? It's going to get real quiet before it gets better, all right? What about your boss? You say, well, he's been a jerk lately. Okay, I, I get it. You, you may even say, well, he, he's, he or she has been uh, not only a jerk, but, you know, they, they don't deserve honor. And what do we do? We take them from an elevated place of value in our lives And through our critiques, and those of you that are graduating, you really need to grab this because honor will open up doors for you that hard work will never open up. That that didn't cost you anything. Um, But what we do is we take someone of honor and we pull them down to a lower shelf and we remove value from them. Um, What about your neighbor? You say, well, they always complain about my yard, right? Right? Or they always have something to say. They don't, they don't deserve honor. Or a parent. Some of us had great parents. Some of us did not. Um, but either way, what, are, are you honoring that relationship? Are you holding them in their proper place? Because herein lies the answer to why honor is a missing value. We often distribute honor based on what we think people deserve. And because of what we think they deserve, we will allow that to limit us from honoring them. We've reclassified it from being a principle thing to a performance thing. But that mindset is totally opposite of what God teaches. Scripture is very clear, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this one down. Honor is not about who they are. Honor is about who I am. Honor has nothing to do with that person. Honor has everything to do with who you are becoming. As long as people have to perform in order to be honored, you will always find a reason not to honor them. In the kingdom, we're not honoring people based on their performance. We're honoring people based on who we are. And that's a big, big difference. Honor is not based on your view of another person. Honor is based on God's view of that person. And, and God is, has this unique ability to see our depravity, but also to see our destiny at the same time. He sees beyond our past and our present failures, and God has the ability to see what we will become after he is done with us. And that's the way we must view people. We got to get out of our view, and we got to see them through God's eyes. So honor is not about who they are or what they've done. Honor is about who I am. Secondly, this point is very, very important. 
dishonor can and will become a spiritual lid in your life. Anytime there is dishonor in your life, I promise you, everything God wants to do in your life, you you may experience a level of God's blessing, a level of God's favor, a level of open doors, a level of the promises of God. But if there is dishonor in your life, it will become a spiritual lid and you will never experience everything that God has for you. We see it play out in the Gospel of Mark. Mark writes and tells us that Jesus' ministry had um, grown exponentially. And people had come from all over to hear Jesus teach, to watch him perform miracles, um, to see him heal the sick, all these wonderful things. But his ministry takes um, a turn, and he ends up in his hometown. And you would assume that if he's in his hometown, then it would be amazing. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. It says that when he arrived in his hometown, it became um, a moment, an eye-opening moment, not only for the people of that day, but an eye-opening moment for us because Mark records in chapter 6, starting in verse 2, they said about Jesus, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son. Now, right there, you have to understand they are being completely disrespectful, and it, it was the equivalent of them saying that Jesus was illegitimate. They go on to say, and he's the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he could not, not would not, he could not do any miracles there. So how powerful is dishonor? How powerful is it? It kept Jesus from doing what he wanted to do in the lives of people. What if Um, our dishonorable attitude and actions are actually keeping us or keeping God from doing what he wants to do in our lives. I recently read about this couple, and um, they were having some marriage problems, and their home had become increasingly toxic. Um, They criticized each other. They mistreated one another. They allowed the culture of their house to become one of dishonor. And eventually, each of them, husband and wife, they both began secret online relationships with other people. They used fake names and were very, very careful that they would never be found out. And this went on for some time until they eventually, they both fell in love with another person. And the day came for them to finally move from online dating to an in-person date. But when they arrived at the designated location, they discovered that they were cheating on each other with each other. Shocked and appalled, they ended up in divorce, but I can't help but point out that the marriage they both wanted was always present, but they could not receive it because instead of honor, they operated in dishonor, and even though they could have had the very thing they longed for, they missed out because dishonor becomes a spiritual lid. 
Husbands and wives, you want a better marriage. Stop making it about what your spouse does or doesn't do. It's, honor is not about what they've done or not done. Honor is about who you are becoming. Start making honor about who you want them to become. Honor, watch this, honor has a way of elevating people. When people are honored and they are esteemed and they are valued, it has this effect on people that they actually begin to rise. If you want God to honor you with a promotion, you want God to honor you with favor, you want kids who love and respect you, then learn to be a person of honor because God doesn't honor those who go around dishonoring other people. He's not in the business of honoring people who are constantly living in dishonor. And so here's what I want to do in the time we have left. I want to give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of big ideas that will help unlock the rewards of honor in your life because there are rewards attached to it. Number one, please understand this is a big idea. God expects us to honor. Honor is an expectation in the kingdom of God. God expects it, okay? Honor is expected by God. One of the first things we must understand about honor is that as followers of Jesus, honor is not optional. It's a responsibility. It's an expectation. There's a lot of things in Scripture that sometimes we need interpretation. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I need an interpretation of certain scriptures, okay? Even though I've given my life to studying the scripture, this past week I had to send a question to another minister because I really wanted to know how to interpret something. And so I sent it to them. I couldn't really figure it out, and they shot me back an answer. Anybody thankful for people that will respond back and give you an answer to a question? Um, and, and so there's a lot of things that are open to interpretation, like you need some help. But honor is not one of those. It is so clear in Scripture that we don't need interpretation. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, it says, honor everyone. Everybody say everyone. Honor everyone. Love your brothers and sisters in the faith. Fear God honor the emperor. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but everyone seems to exclude no one. I considered what this might mean, and this means that God expects me to honor the most terrible, low-down, despicable people, people who drive slow in the fast lane. People who take more than 15 items to the 15 item or less checkout. And God help me with this one because I'm working on it. And even he expects me to honor the men who go to the restroom and unfortunately, not unfortunately I'm a man, I'm glad I'm a man. Um, I know who I am and I identify as a man. All right. But... I even got to honor the men that go to the bathroom, and yes, sometimes you know they just did number two. And they walk out, and they just bypass the sink, and they do not wash their hands. 
I got to work on honoring them and not puking at the same time. That's why if you come up to me and you want to shake hands and I just kind of step back and give you a distance fist bump, now you know why. God expects me to honor everyone. Now, who does everyone include? Well, it includes everyone, but let's break it down into categories so we can, we can sink our teeth into this. It, it means that I honor um, those in authority over me, okay? Um, meaning, meaning teachers that gave me an A, I honor them. Teachers that gave me a C, I honor them. Coaches, I need to honor coaches. If I, if I have a coach in my life, I need to honor them. The coaches who sat me and the coaches who played me. Honor is my standard. Um, politicians, I need to honor them. The ones I voted for and the ones I did not vote for. Honor is not about what they do. Honor is about who I am. When I honor people over me, whether I agree with their behavior or actions or what they say, whether I agree with it or not, when I honor them, I am demonstrating my trust in God. You say, well, how does that work by honoring them? How's that demonstrating trust? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Romans 13 and 1 says, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. The word place here means assigned or set to in a position, which is the opposite of by chance. God put him there. When I honor those in authority over me, I am demonstrating, I may not agree with their policies, I may not agree with their behavior, I may not agree with a lot of what they do, but honor is my standard. I didn't realize this. I thought this was like an easy message, but I realized after the 9 o'clock service when several people stopped me and said, that was hard, I'm like, it's really not hard. Honor is, a, is, is the culture of the kingdom. Honor is our standard. Honor opens up doors that hard work can't open. Honor will cause God's favor to be poured out on your life, and honor represents the kingdom and the king really, really well. So we need to get and, and demonstrate a life of honor, a posture of honor, and watch what God will do if we'll position ourselves with a heart of honor. I need somebody to give him a clap or say, ouch, or I I don't like this. Whatever you need to do. But honor's important. And so you, you, some of us were like, those in authority. Okay, pastor, that, that, that's kind of tough because we think we chose our boss. You didn't choose your boss. God did. God placed them there. You say, well, pastor, if God chose my boss, then why did he choose a bad one? To grow you. You say, well, they're incompetent. They're inconsiderate. That's good. That's probably an indicator God wants you under them because God's trying to knock some things out of you because until you learn how to be under someone, you are not qualified to be over anyone. God's got you there because he's working on you. And if he gave you a bad one, don't say it out loud. Honor them, show up early, work late, serve with excellence, do the honorable thing. Because if God has you in that position, it's probably because he's making you into a leader. And one day you'll be a boss. Amen? Are y'all here or is this too hard? 
This is the kind of preaching that will change your life. Because these, the, these are the little things, like, I love the miracles and the signs and wonders and the healings and all. Like, last week and that train, like, that is my wheelhouse. Like, I love all the stuff God does, and, and we've got tons of testimonies of people who have been healed, all that last week. I love all that. But how many of these type of things, the hard things, will take your life from here to a whole nother level? It's these little things that, that, that are actually big things. So the question becomes, if you've got someone over you that you consider, you know, not that great, the, the question becomes, can you hold your tongue? Can you give your best? Whether it's a spiritual authority, a professional authority, or a civil authority, can you still give your best? When it comes to spiritual authority, why, why does that one even matter? 1 Timothy 5.17 says the elders or pastors uh, who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, I read that because I want you to know whatever field you're in, um, you receive from that which you honor. The moment, if you're a businessman and I dishonor you and your practices, and I, I just, I say all kinds of, I'm not prepared to receive your investment in my life. I'm not going to receive it. It's not going to happen. I receive from what I honor. If I dishonor you, I'll miss out on the investment. Now, as a preacher, sometimes I'm asked to go other places and preach. And I love to do that. Um, but I thank God for Bethesda. I thank God for home. How I many know there's no place like home? Um, but I go to some places, and it's not really what I would call a culture of honor. You say, well, how so, Pastor? Well, they may introduce me, and what I get sometimes, this is not everywhere, sometimes I'll get the golf clap and kind of the lean back, entertain me, preacher. Like, they, they ain't there, you know, there's no honor there. I go some places, they introduce me, and the place starts screaming. I say, good morning. They're like, oh, my goodness, that's profound. They're writing notes on good morning. Like, it's honor. You know, it's totally different. I see it both ways. But the point is, is that, where honor is, God moves more. And whatever level of honor there is, that, that's in proportion to how the Holy Spirit moves. Honor unlocks things that faith can't unlock. Just by having a culture of honor or dishonor, the people in Jesus' hometown was able to limit what Jesus could do in their city, all through honor or dishonor. Many of us, we, we want our faith to grow, and we're frustrated that our faith hasn't grown. Could it be that honor is what's missing? And when I say honor, whether it's a pastor you need to be honoring, or let's, let's make it a little more practical, because I, I, I know that sometimes preachers make it self-serving, and for their own, I get that, I understand. That's, this is not a self-serving message. God knows my heart. Um, but let's take a, a small group leader here in the church, and you signed up for their small group. And, and so you should honor them as the leader of that group. But you come once, and then you miss three weeks in a row, and then you come again, and then you miss four weeks in a row, and you never really tell them. You just come like one or two times. Do you know what you're doing? You're saying that what you do as a connect group leader is not important, it's not valuable, and I don't value you or your time. Let's go a little bit further. Those of us that serve, I thank God that you serve. 
But I'm talking to the home people right now, the people that serve and make Bethesda Church what it is, which is the dream team. Listen, y'all know what I mean when I say this, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Stop leaving your leaders on yellow. That is dishonoring. We need to talk about it because we just leave it on yellow. We won't confirm or decline. We need you to confirm or decline if for no other reason, like honor us enough to let us know. Somebody's like, he, he probably needs a break. I'm getting ready to take one. I probably do. Stop doing that. Don't honor connect group leaders, team leaders that spend hours, like, trying to get schedules together. Be kids work trying to get all these schedules. And, and you won't even, like, tell them. And, or you just, you'll hit confirm and not show. That is dishonor at a very high level. You say, it ain't that big a deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like, honor the people you work with. Honor the people you go to church with. Let honor become your standard. Can somebody give God a praise? I'm getting a little nervous now. Come on, hit somebody and say, we can do better. Come on, we can. We can do better. We can. We can do better. So we honor those in authority over us. Uh, so who all does it involve? To honor everyone, those over us, um, let's take it to, to the next level. We need to honor those who can do nothing for us. This is important. This one is really, really important. I heard Pastor Robert Morris, he was telling the story that he was exiting his office one day. And as he exited his office, he noticed that there was a lady there in the lobby who looked extremely troubled and she looked very impoverished and she had come into the office and, and he knew immediately she's, she's here for some help. She needs some help. She needs somebody to talk to. She's probably got a financial need. Who knows? But she needs some help. But at the same time he saw her, he saw two of his staff members who were standing in the lobby and instead of helping, helping the impoverished lady who needed help, they just kept on with their conversation, totally ignoring this lady who, who needed help. And so he went over to the two staff members, and he, he told them, he said, hey, this lady obviously needs some help, and I, I want you guys to, to forget about the outward appearance and what you see because her father is extremely wealthy. And so the staff members, you know, they rolled up their sleeves. Now they're all ready to help this woman who's in need. And so they go over, and they're, they're asking her questions, and they're offering to personally counsel her uh, through her issues, and they're just doing everything they can, can do to accommodate her. And so the following week, Pastor Robert comes into his office, and he, he tells the two staff members to come down to see him. And when they walked in, he said, I couldn't help but notice your eagerness to help that lady when I mentioned that her father was extremely wealthy. And so I, I, you know, I just kind of thought for a minute, maybe you didn't understand because I have no idea who her earthly father is, but I do know who her heavenly father is, and he's extremely wealthy and owns it all. And he was teaching them the principle, we don't just honor up. How many know we need to be willing to honor down to someone that can never benefit us or do anything for us, but honor is something that we do because honor is who we are. 
We honor those in authority over us. We honor those who can do nothing for us. With that one, people who only honor those over them, they are not honorable. They are political. Big difference. The last category of honoring everyone, those over us, those who can do nothing for us. And here's the hardest one. We have to learn how to honor those closest to us. And this one, you say, that ain't hard. It's hard to honor people when you've smelled their bad breath. Do you know as a pastor where I see the most dishonor is in homes? We start out well, some of us, we get married, and what, what, what do we do in the beginning of the marriage? We, you know, we cook for him, and we open the door for her, and before we leave every day, it's, I love you so much, Munchkin. Then we get busy, we have kids, there's more demands at work, and instead of honor, we start treating them as common, as ordinary. And we take the people closest to us off of the top shelf. We move them to a middle shelf, sometimes to a bottom shelf. All because we know them too well, we've been around them too much, and we start taking people for granted. Listen, if you don't get honor right anywhere, Please hear your pastor today. Get it right in your home. Husbands, love your wives with everything you have. Wives, let me just throw this out there. The number one need for your husband is not sex. It's actually honor. 75% of men who were polled on what they needed the most from their wife, it wasn't even sex, it was honor. Sir, you want to be treated like a king, then start treating her like a queen. As a matter of fact, when you leave today, I want you to go out to your car, walk her out, open up her side, open up her door, and after she passes out, I want you to help her back up and into her seat. Come on, I need some women to give God a praise right there. We, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. Honor is our standard. You say, well, I'll I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that when he starts living honorable. People become what you put in them. If you'll start honoring him, he'll, he'll become honorable. You can change the atmosphere of your home. And, and here's the other thing about it. Honor, I gotta quit, I know that. Honor is decided, not deserved. It's decided. You can decide today to honor your parents, even in all their flaws. You can decide today to honor your family and despite their craziness. You can, you can choose today and make a decision and decide to honor kids in spite of their weaknesses. A decision to honor is enough to shift a home, restore a relationship, and reestablish unity. So honor is expected by God. I want to close with this as the worship team comes. Honor is rewarded by God. In Ephesians 6 and 2, it says, Honor your father and mother. Paul, referring to the fifth of the Ten Commandments, 
And you may ask, why would God put that commandment in, if there's only 10, why did that one make the top 10? I believe the reason that's in the top 10 is because God wanted to create a culture of honor from birth. God understands that if kids will honor their parents, man, this is, this is, this is so good. If kids will honor their parents, they're probably more likely to honor their employers, their spiritual leaders. Honor is supposed to be the culture of the kingdom of God. I have watched people operate in dishonor and bring destruction in so many areas of their life simply because they didn't make honor their own standard. They made it performance. So if you do well, I'll honor you. But if you don't do well, I I have a right to now dishonor you. That's not how it works, church. Honor is our standard. And I know for some of you, you think it's old-fashioned to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Old-fashioned to open doors and let others go ahead of you. Old-fashioned to prefer seniors. Old-fashioned to stand up when someone enters a room and shake their hand. Old-fashioned to speak kindly to other people. But all this old-fashioned honoring comes with an incredible promise. Because Paul writes, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Pretty much everything we want out of life comes through the door of honor. Turns out God's commands are not old-fashioned. They are actually well-fashioned. How many would say today, Pastor, I can do better in the area of honor? Can anybody? I think we can all do better. We can raise our standard. The amount of honor you pour on others will be proportional to the amount of favor God pours out on you. I have watched, listen, honor and favor are connected. I don't have time to go into it, but the more you honor the people in your life, those over you, those who can do nothing for you, those closest to you, the more you operate in honor in those realms, I'm telling you, and I've watched it with my own eyes, the more favor God pours out on your life. And one moment of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. Honor can open up doors that your hard work and grit will never open up for you. Honor unlocks blessing into your life. I've watched it work in my own life. I've seen it around me. I, I've not all, always been a lead pastor. For years, I was, I was a, an associate pastor, a youth pastor, served as a staff on other churches, and, and I always made it a priority. It was just, you know, I, I learned this, you know, at a very young age. I'm thankful. My mom and dad are in service today. I love you guys. Um, but they taught me some things about honor. And I watched how they honored people. And so I learned it very early on. And so I always made it, you know, my responsibility when I was serving, especially when I was serving on staff, is to make, you know, the pastor's life easier. Like, have water ready for him. 
type out his notes so that the congregation could follow along. Check his batteries in the microphone. You know, some of y'all think, you don't take all that. But I look around today, and guess what? There are people all around me today who are making sure I have water, who are checking the battery in this microphone, who are pushing buttons, making sure that this message goes around the world, who stay up really late at night, and they know who I'm talking about, making screens for the LED wall, who do all these wonderful things to make my life easier. And I I believe with all my heart, had I not made that happen for others, God would have never made it happen for me. Because what you make happen for other people, God will ultimately always make happen for you. Come on, stand to your feet and give him a praise today. I'm going to finish right there. Here's your assignment. Here's your assignment. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. This line kind of stood out this week to me. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Say, what's the assignment, Pastor? The assignment is, right now, I want you to think about the most difficult relationship in your life. For some of you, unfortunately, in this season, the most difficult relationship is a marriage. Some of you, it's a a child. Some of you, it's a parent. Some of you, it may be a co-worker is the most difficult relationship or a boss is the most difficult relationship. And you don't really have to think about it because when I mentioned most difficult relationship, it was there. So what's the assignment? I want you to think of how Let me make sure I say this right. How you can show them honor. Because what what you do today in honor, I promise you, it'll turn into favor in your life tomorrow. So I want you to think about that. That's your homework, all right? That's your homework. Your most difficult relationship, I want you to figure out, how am I going to show honor in this relationship? I promise you, God's going to honor it. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around for the next couple of moments. You say, well, pastor, I've never really experienced that happen when I've honored someone or, you know, I I saw something happen good for me. Yes, you have. You've seen it spiritually because while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. You You know what that means? It means that while you were in your sin, Jesus could have put you on the bottom shelf and and treated you as common and ordinary. You know what Jesus did? While you were in the midst of your sin and shame, he still elevated you to the top shelf and said that you're so valuable, I am willing to die for you. You are that valuable. I don't care what, this is prophetic. I did not plan, I didn't say this in the first service. I believe God is speaking to some people. You've had words spoken over you. And your identity has been challenged and who you are in Christ. And you, you're still connected to shame and guilt and condemnation. You still feel like you're not worthy. God wants me to remind you that while you are at your worst, Jesus died for you. He elevated you to a place of value, to a place of honor. I want to speak to those that are in this room today. And you say, Pastor, I'm not in right relationship with God, but I want to make a change today. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, to see my sins, to have my sins forgiven, to have a 
clean slate and a fresh start. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you say, that's me, I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior right now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Thank you for this hand. Thank you for this hand. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, that's me. That's me. Anyone else? Don't want to miss another one here. God bless you. Another one here. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. Anyone else before we pray? Say, that's me. I need Jesus. I want us to pray together. Every voice lifted. We're going to pray with those five hands that went up. Everybody together. Pray it loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me for every sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big, big God bless you. So good. So good. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something, and then I'm going to get out of the way because we're going to worship and we're going to pray for people in our last song. But if you made that decision to follow Jesus, if you would, take just a moment to grab that Connect card in the seat back in front of you and jot your name down. Check the box that says, I made a decision to follow Christ. And if you would, sometime between now and the end of this service, I'm going to ask that, that you take a bold march to the back table. It's in the back left of the room, my left, your right. We want to put a brand new Bible in your hand. We want to help you take your next step. It is our goal that in 2022, listen to me, this is vision coming out right here. Our goal in 2022 and and beyond and moving forward is that we do a better job discipling people. I need you to get behind it because it's important. From the moment that hand goes up, to the moment they're either baptized or in next steps or in a small group or serving on a team. How many believe that if we will work together as the body of Christ, we can help disciple every single person that comes through these doors? Amen, we can do it. It's possible. Prayer team and staff, if you'd get in place, worship team, come and lead. If you need prayer for anything at all, please don't hesitate. God bless you guys. listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.